Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And this week we're joined by special guests... Okay, well, we have two <laughs> The first one, you might know from our other friend cast, Allied, our Allied podcast, Dude, uh, The Unwise Index. The uh, Unwise Index, we had a good run. We might come back. You can wait and we'll be there. <laughs> I'm always waiting. I'm always waiting with, like, bated breath. For, Dude, we got, we got a fan. We got, we got, like, a solid 400 plays. <laughs> we did a good job. Uh, and so but, that, that's, this is Monik from The Unwise yeah. Index. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> and we also I've been waiting have... all week for this. Oof. Yeah, it's uh, we've we've been waiting all week for this too. It's indeed. Uh, um, and we also have a uh, friend of the cast, X. X, tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe or not. I heard about this like ten minutes ago, and here I am. Yeah, we, awesome. were, we were all <laughs> playing yeah. Destiny, and yeah, then so... we were like, "Oh, we should record the podcast." <laughs> yeah. So to get into it. Um, this week we're going to talk a little bit about Destiny 2, but before we do that, buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. On this podcast, uh, we talk about games. So yeah, so this week we're going to be doing Destiny 2 and Total War Warhammer 2, very recent releases, uh, sequels, I guess, to big, big games that we've been, we've been playing a whole bunch of. Um, in fact, in this podcast, I don't know how late this podcast will be coming out, but we were recording very late because we wanted to get as much of the Destiny 2 experience under our belts as we possibly could before um, kind of rendering our opinions on it. But I don't know. what. Like, Do you guys have like first impressions kind of like overall? Like, What's the bird's eye view on your Destiny 2 outlook? Well, I mean, like for me... Um... I was huge into Destiny 1, so I played Destiny 1 like a fucking crazy fuck ton on PS4. It's probably my most played game in the past like three, four years. Oof. So I was very much looking forward to Destiny 2. And when they first revealed, so I'll talk about like the history. So like they first revealed Destiny's trailer, and I was pretty disappointed because I was hoping they would go all out, rework the engine, the game looks completely different, like a true bonafide sequel. And that's not what the first reveal looked like. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actual game. Uh, the things I love about it are that they actually, it, the world actually feels realized in a much bigger way than Destiny 1. Destiny 1, I was there primarily for PvP, the loot, and the raiding experience. And you get that here in Destiny 2, but I also feel like meat around it is actually there now. The story is there. The gunplay is just as good as it ever has been. But they just filled in all the other shit you have to do in mindless looting with actual legitimate things to do, which is nice. Interesting. Uh X, what's uh, what's your what's your overview of Destiny Two? So, I'm a huge Halo fan, so I know Bungie from that. I've watched Monik play uh, the first Destiny, but it, like he was saying, it felt a lot more instanced than open world. But for Destiny Two, it has like the best of both worlds so far. The gunplay is pretty good, the loot system is addicting, and the raid, even the raid we tried, um, it had like pretty interesting core mechanics to it. But I am I'm not, I'm gonna I'm gonna be that guy. I was really disappointed that they're already doing the season pass stuff for the uh, expansions, and I don't know. I guess maybe that's just like the status of the the gaming world as is. So I don't know. And so so part of that, not not to excuse it, is that um, as PC players, we're all PC players. Monica has played on the console. Yeah. Um, is uh is uh we we got it a little bit late, and so we're getting the the expansion simul released, and so we would have had like almost two months with the game before the expansion, uh, two months more with the game before the expansion dropped at this point. We've got basically like a month and a half with the game. 
Um, and so I think it's a little bit better from the console perspective, but I do think I ultimately agree with you that the, uh, the DLC cycle is super, super quick on this one. Yeah, I mean, I also, for me, it's I mean, not even... Oh, go ahead. Well, so I also think that when it comes to the DLC cycle, um, that the specific pricing of it, like, I understand that they want to call it an expansion and it, and, and kind of harken back to the days of stuff like Brood War, uh, or even just kind of reference the expansions that come for, like, your typical WoW expansion. But, and I, I haven't dug into this very, like, this is kind of a surface level reading, but this really doesn't feel like an expansion's worth of content. So I think Ooh. it's actually priced very aggressively. Um, for something that seems to be less, I don't know, I don't know how how how, so how much I agree this with would be like a, the, uh, an expansion. Yeah, my issue is more with the. It's not even the time dilation or the time cycle. It's that like it's like we. It would be like if like for example, Thor the 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 third one just came out. It'd be like if a month or two later they announced the next one. You know what I mean? There's yeah. no time. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It's not. It's not necessarily that it's just too soon, but it's also that it's. It feels like really rehearsed. premeditated. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. In a bad so, way. so, so I think part of what's happening here is um, this game is is for all intents and purposes an MMO, um, but it's one without a subscription fee, and so to kind of keep that revenue stream incoming, they need like constant things. And so what this feels like, instead of paying fifteen dollars a month for basic access to the game and you get a bunch of like patches like in wow along the way for quote unquote free um you're basically paying for those kind of like incremental development milestones because you don't have to pay a fee and i'm not i'm not saying that's that's necessarily a great model or whatever but i think that's kind of what they're going for with this because it does it does feel like like dawn of osiris is going to be like a major content patch level amount of content like as compared to wow but again you're paying fifty dollars a month for WoW, and you're paying zero dollars a month for yeah. Uh, for when this you game. when you put it that way, I definitely am a little bit more on board with it. I just it's it's one of those things where when they when they use the term expansion, right? Like I'm yeah. geared towards thinking a, a certain set of ways, but when I look at it, I'm like, well, this is just seven point two. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is the same kind of content that I got for free in WoW for seven point two. But I think that that that's a pretty good point. Um, that when it when it comes to uh. Like, when it comes to the game. To be honest with you, this actually... I mean, I've, I was talking about this before when we were talking about loot boxes. Um, I really wish games would just go back to subscription models yeah. compared to <laughs> compared to this kind of thing. Because, like, yeah. it really sounds like this stuff will be, you know, pretty necessary to the game. And I feel like I would have much rather to have, like, a lower price Destiny 2, but one I play uh, pay a subscription for, um, rather than buying a season pass or buying uh, the expansions as they come out. But that's... But, uh, but I, I think, almost uh, see I that gamers... as the same thing. I think gamers of today and like not wanting to commit to games. They want to have multiple options and that like flies in the face of a subscription model in my mind. Like I'm not going to only play Destiny, I'm going to play PUBG, Destiny, maybe I'll go back to Titanfall 2 at some point and I wouldn't want to be locked in uh, via a subscription fee. And I feel a lot of FPS gamers are like that too, which is why I think a subscription fee model wouldn't work uh, for Destiny. Yeah, I also think that like the, the rise of free-to-play as a... Uh... Right. You know, it's like a monitor. I mean, I think there's a lot of problems with free to play. We've talked about this on the cast before, but like one of the big ones to me um, is this kind of idea that like, and you see this with people with like Hearthstone, like um, or or uh, like a free to play game or like League of Legends, right? Like a free to play game does not necessarily mean a game that you shouldn't pay money into. If that makes sense. Like, there are some people who who kind of have these diehard impressions of like, oh well, if I cannot play the game. 
without you know putting money into it right then that's some kind of uh you know that that's some kind of like awful version win yeah right like (laughs) you know and and, and people get really mad about that sort of thing when like a free-to-play game means that the like the introduction to the game right like the entrance to the game is free right and then you opt into the game more and more by paying into it more and more Um, with league you buy more champ you know you buy champions right with hearthstone you buy cards sort of thing and as you you choose how much you want to invest into you know into your experience but i don't know this kind of stuff is tough I think it's just a kind of a marketing failure. Like I think um, ultimately that that's just a, a like baggage associated with the term free to play. Like I think that looked really good to you know Paul marketing mm-hmm. um, when when he came up with it, but like when it's not actually like because because at the end of the day, for a lot of these games, right? Like most of the game isn't free, and that's fine. But it feels duplicitous when you say it's free up front. Um. Uh, like, I mean, it's almost more like it's literally free to play, but pay to win. But I don't see why that's a problem, because you know what I mean. Unless well, you're going to so, so be pay, diehard. Pay to win is 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 a separate problem. Um, I think the thing we're talking about here more is is less pay to win and more like pay it, for it, it, the game. Like buy. It, it's basically like a a weird expanded version, uh, like a, a weird a la carte version of buy to play. Yeah. So people. So people. Um hear the term free to play and they think that spending money on the game is bad right like that it's some kind of failure of their own you know willpower or is that or actually whatever. a popular consensus I it's didn't not, it's not that, that it's a popular consensus it's just that it's something that happens in gamer culture sort of thing and i think that 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 kind of i mean we're kind of getting off the topic a little bit but i think yeah. that, that does <laughs> comment yeah. on the subscription like why people are yeah. less on board yeah, yeah. with the subscription model all in all who's not curse of osiris or whatever the hell the expansion for destiny 2 is called. i'm osiris. probably going to <laughs> yeah, but like osiris. it's only okay like the only reason i even bought the game is because i was going to play it with you guys right mm-hmm. and I don't it's... mind the subscription, but this is literally a subscription without calling it subscription. X, did you buy it already? Not yet. Man, I, I actually, how much is it? I don't know if... Uh, $35? Actually... Oh my god, Jesus Christ! <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, 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 that's for what? two of them. That's for two of them. Yeah, that's for the oh, season. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's <laughs> but, almost the but, same but, as like $10 a month, right? Because you get... I will, So I will say that, uh, you know, so I bought Destiny with, with Battle.net Funbucks. Nice. Um, <laughs> And uh, and I have been farming. I have been farming WoW gold through like the order hall system for like months on end. And I think I'm actually close to a million gold again, so I can probably buy it with WoW gold. Um, though I also want to buy Hearthstone stuff with WoW gold because they just announced the new Hearthstone yeah. expansion. Yeah. So many things to buy with my fake Dude, Blizzard games. fucking cryptocurrency, yeah. essentially. Um, one thing that I think did what worked out for me is Green Man Gaming had it for like fifteen or so percent off, like. The whole like all of Destiny two uh, in the pre order phase. Oh nice! So I got, I got like the bundle package, which was already slightly reduced. Oh, oh you, it, it, so wait, you bought it with the expansions already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the heck? Yeah, that's I mean, just it's, more of that premeditated stuff, man. No, 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 no. That, it, it's a season pass, right? Like, oh, um, just the season pass or the season pass bundled with the core game? But the season pass bundled with the core game. Core game is a okay. fairly standard thing at this point. And you know, I at the at the end of the day, not a super big fan of season passes but like the the essentially for not for like i think it was like 10 or 12 bucks more than i wouldn't be playing for paying for the original game on a regular site mm, i'm getting okay. this game uh plus the expansions so i figured i figured it would hold my attention enough it was a gamble i made we'll see if that pays off all right let um, me ask you this though 
just the core game so far, regardless of the expansions, does it feel like a triple A $60 game? Okay. So I actually, I actually have some deeper thoughts on this. I've been thinking about this for a while. Um, uh, so friend of the cast, Charles and I talked about this briefly. Um, but at some point during the development, uh, somebody at Bungie, I think Luke, whatever the director, um, basically said that at some point they decided to stop trying to make an infinite game and try and make a kind of uh, a, a more uh, like a kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, cultivated 12 hour experience. Um, yeah. And I, and like going backwards from this is an MMO to this is a cultivated 12 hour experience. I get that, but kind of going forward from the point of nothing, this is not a great 12 hour game. Right? I completely agree. Um, and I, I, I've got some theories on this. I, I think I think actually ultimately a lot of this game is ruined by WoW. And I, I mean, it, it sounds kind of expensive. I'm so interested now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so this I'm going to let you go on. It's, it's about I'll the expectation in. versus the product, I think, is so, the so thing. So I, I think part of this is that, like, WoW, when WoW first launched, it was a lot of hours of leveling and a lot of and some endgame content, too. But, like, that endgame content kind of proportionally was less than the leveling experience. Right now, WoW has a very quick leveling experience with a lot of endgame content. Um, but part of that, too, is that once you run out of kind of, like, content to munch in WoW, there's a bunch of stuff to go back to, right? Like, I can go farm transmog in a previous expansion, or I can go, like, dick around and do something else, or I can battle pets, or I can do one of a thousand things that WoW has done um, over the course of building up the game over a dozen years. Okay. Um, in this game, because WoW is kind of the gold standard for MMOs, they have the quick leveling, and they have kind of like the large swaths of endgame content. You can still munch through it pretty pretty quickly, but there's not a lot to go back to. And I think this is actually part of the misstep of making Destiny 2 a separate uh, skew from Destiny 1. I think there's probably good reasons, probably technical reasons too, why yeah. they did it. But like, I thought it was legal. Uh, I thought that Activision in the contract, Activision mandated that there be like a sequel and not a, not like a set of expansions in the you way that does. Maybe that's that. Maybe maybe it's legal for whatever reason. Um, like if at the point, so the point that I'm at in Destiny Two is kind of I'm nearing kind of like the end of what I can do in Destiny Two, which is fine. I kind of played it like crazy for a while, but that's and I definitely got like. I would say sixty dollars worth of entertainment out of it. Um, Do you really though? Um, you, I mean, uh, that's where I'm. Where, that's where I, I mean, would let's break it down. Like, if we look at the story, the twelve-hour story compared to other FPS stories of today, it was middle of the pack. Oh, I, I would say it was very good. Average. I thought the story was very. I was surprised at how good I what? thought the story was. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot deeper. Um, it seemed than, pretty uh, cookie cutter to me. I don't know. Well, I mean, compared to so, compared so to like thing. a Halo Two. That's what I hold as the gold standard yeah, for right FPS now, stories. Like the gold standard of stories in FPS is like Titanfall two, and like the sure. CODs don't have good story at all. So like, yeah, like that, that, I, that, that's kind of what I'm saying. What I'm saying, like CODs have bad story, battlefields yeah. have bad story, right? And this is a story, you know, like with with real stakes, with a with a real uh, like villain who has yep. interesting and complex motivations, right? It it had themes. It was talking about religion, and you know, and and. Yeah. Uh, making ab- like biblical allegories, right? And so, and some of this is pretty obvious stuff, right? Like I've seen this villain before in other things a million times, obviously. But I mean, at least they're trying something, right? Um, sure. So I really want to give it. I like. I think it deserves a lot of credit for yeah. that. Um, 
just like the sheer amount of cutscenes in the game that are well-crafted and produced, like added a ton. Destiny 1 had none of that. Destiny 1, you had no idea what you were doing at any given time. So they fixed that. The issue I have with the story of Destiny 2 is some large tentpole topics still haven't been explained. Like the Traveler. What the fuck is that? Like, who, what is this person, what does this thing, entity do? <laughs> the darkness. Where did that come in? Like, where did the darkness go? The speaker. Yeah, I what, think, like, it's I, just a lot yeah. of unexplained things that I think makes, uh, like, maybe added to the story, but left me wanting more by the end of it. Because I didn't really, I felt like, all right, we killed the dude. Now what? Yeah, I, I think that's def- I think that's definitely a big part of it. Is like, um, I guess this is typical for FPS stories, but there's a lot of like, um, what's I, I know there's probably a word for this, but you could probably fill it in for me. Where like the story is very like kind of boxed off from the gameplay. Oh uh, well, I mean, this is kind of what a content muncher is. Oh, okay, is, is, um, is that what it's called? I, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, the content muncher is kind of where you have gameplay that stops you from from un- like that. You like the gameplay is tedium to unlock story content, or like the flip side, the story content is tedium that you mm-hmm. skip to get to more gameplay. Um, I, I I mean, like the the famous example of a content muncher is something like Half Life Two, where you kind of go through like gameplay chunks to like quote unquote unlock. Um, uh, a, a cinematic-ish, you know, kind of like th- now the next bit of story plays out. The story doesn't actually play out over the course of the mission. Right. Uh, I think Destiny Two definitely has that problem, right? Destiny Two had a lot of like the cutscenes were interesting, and if you watch the cutscenes as a movie, kind of, um, it would probably work. But like, and then it makes you go do like dumb busy work in between. Right. You right. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> turn on the generators on Titan. How many fucking? I, we we like were doing this. Thing. I literally yeah. said in Discord, I was like, how many times have I like had to go fucking? And turn on the power, like flip a power switch in the middle of a bunch of baddies in like a video game, yeah. you know. But even um, saying all that, like that twelve-hour experience, like why Mango and X, like why do you say that wasn't a good twelve-hour experience? Because I had uh, more I fun like playing. The, okay, I had more the, fun playing Halo 2's campaign. Well, yeah, but compared like, to Halo 2's fucking and seminal when game. Did that, when did that? When did that come oh, out? Oh man, yeah, but okay. So do we all remember? Are, are, are we are we actually like really engaging with Halo 2 without rose-colored well, glasses? Because well, no, I remember no, Halo no, 2 no. not having a fucking ending and being like, "What?" Yeah. That's that <laughs> was part of the appeal, though, is that there was always something more. What? And, like, are you kidding me? No, because that was awful. You didn't <laughs> like the fact that it ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah, I hated that. I thought oh, it wasn't okay. a cliffhanger. Well, I thought it was incomplete. I felt like I felt so. I don't know. I, I mean, people bitch about the the ending to Mass Effect Three, and I'll you know I'll defend yeah. that to a certain extent, um, or whatever. But to me, like the crime of Halo Two is that it doesn't have an ending. Is that they they slap it? It, it just it just felt so incomplete to me. And then Halo Three just, didn't even okay. address the cliffhanger all that well. I don't know. I just I, felt, that, I found that very frustrating to be honest. I just felt that after I played, I finished the playing through the first playthrough of Halo 2, I just felt so hype. I wanted to go and like run laps around my neighborhood. That's how good it felt <laughs> to be that game. But the fucking I get that. The ending uh, scene of, of fighting Gaul on the fucking Almighty or whatever, that was a pretty cool scene. Okay, here's that my gripe with that. Here's my gripe with that. They made the last level too easy. Hold on, hold on one second. Spoilers for Destiny 2. We forgot to say this at the beginning. Yeah, oh yeah, shit, spoilers. you're right. Yeah, <laughs> spoilers for the Destiny 2 plot. Um Continue, X. Sorry, did not mean to cut you they off. They made it so damn easy. Compare that to running the Maw. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. It was easy because we were overleveled and no, I was in the No, the first time we ran it, we weren't. <laughs> yeah, we were. We the, were mechanic, like... the core mechanic of that boss fight is so easy because you have unlimited supers. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to kind of have to decide with X on this one. I, I thought, yeah, I thought that 
I thought the fight was was was. Well, I, you spent is not eleven and a half hard. hours trying to fight this undefeated, never before sure, sure, lost sure. emperor or, or like a general figure, and then you kill him in like five minutes. I mean, I, I, I don't know that you can really hold that against the game in those kind of specific terms, but I do agree that having unlimited supers against the boss uh, made it made it relatively easy. Though that said, I also played that with Nick. Um, who was over level? You know, like you know what I mean. Like he was, yeah, he had yeah, already yeah, defeated yeah. it, right? That's fine. And and he knew the boss fight um, and stuff like that. The big part about the Destiny Two story that I thought didn't fit were the vehicle sections. Like I like I, yeah. I kind of, there was a weird nostalgia to them that was nice because I remember the vehicle sections in Halo and I remember right. liking the vehicle sections in Halo quite a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I majority know, of them like, didn't I, hit I, for me. There was like one section when you were crossing a bridge and it felt right. But other than that, the vehicle sections didn't, didn't work. Yeah. So yeah. you're saying that the last boss was so easy that it like ruined the, your feeling of satisfaction at completion of the game. Is that fair? Yeah, because it completed one of the core plot lines, but it didn't do it in a way that was satisfying. It'd be like, mm. it would be like in uh, like in Age of Ultron if he just got bitch slapped by Iron Man and that was the end. Like that's just oh, you I, broke I, up I, okay, the hero. I get that. And the villain, and then the villain just like whimpers. And also, there's no the villain just yeah, like I... dies by the traveler randomly. Like, what the fuck? Like, oh, I thought that was great. Yeah, I thought that was all right. I, I, I mostly thought I that didn't was mind great, that, but because... I, I just mean okay. There's the plot aspect I didn't like, and then there's the gameplay aspect I didn't like. And the gameplay aspect is too easy because of the supers. The plot aspect, I have less of a beef with, but it was still like this dude who's supposed to be a ruthless dictator. It's yeah. like, why is he so fascinated with this, like, thing? Like, well, that's, 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 that's the core theme. Right? I like, like that. It. Yeah. That is that's a core theme, but it character. doesn't seem to fit. Because, like, why is it that he has so much respect for this ball that's just sitting there? And no because respect for all, because, anything else. Because he views it as a god. That's why, I mean, yeah. that's why he kills the, that's why he kills the dude that raised him, like the console guy or whatever, right. because he's so furious that he's not getting the recognition that he wants. He wants God to say, you are special, you right. are worthy sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he, obviously... he, tells, he, he tells the speaker, right? He's like, I will not take it. I will be chosen. But he wasn't chosen. And that, that infuriated him. Right. And so he took it. Right, and then, but the thing yeah. is, I never saw because I didn't play Destiny One. I never saw the Traveler as a god. I just saw it as a construct, like so kind of like the, well, that's the thing. Like, the Traveler say, hasn't um, been explained, and the humans yeah. think so, of it yeah. as a god. So but yeah. I walked into the, I you know, like I like the Destiny Two story a lot, right? But it really had a huge hurdle for me because I walked into that tutorial mission, and yeah. I was like, "This is some bullshit," right? Like that tutorial mission was awful, and it was a <laughs> terrible first impression to me. Really, with the city um, burning and shit, I thought it was cool. Yeah, I thought it was incredibly blasé and like milk toast and completely. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I thought that that. I thought it was. Are really you talking about the, the opener or like directly past that? Because like I felt like the part where you're like. I thought the second level was lame. I thought the wait, 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 wait. I thought the first two levels were lame, and then okay. and then basically see, I really once you're enjoyed the rooted scene in the farm and move on from there, you're good. Okay. Oh, see, I really love the scene when you lost the light and we're back in the city, like fucking crawling, and the whole. That's actually probably my favorite. It just part lasted of the whole. five so, so, minutes so, too yeah. long. The, the crawling scene lasted about ten minutes, which is yeah. about nine minutes and thirty seconds longer than it should have been. <laughs> Definitely. Well, um, I'm talking about that scene, but also the scene when you get your first gun and you're the like the the the, the finally the song changes and you're fighting those warhounds for the first time. 
Like that was actually really well done. I thought. But that's after, uh, so, so that's after my, what my, we're talking about. My theory about. here is that I think you had more context for it than I did. I, I've never played Destiny One. I don't know anything yeah. about the Destiny One lore. I didn't even do like I kind of like you know I didn't look it up with YouTube videos. Like I know that there's a lot of Destiny lore YouTube channels and stuff like that. So I was completely <laughs> thrown. I had no idea what was going on really. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't understand the context for having the light and then losing the light. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And like, I understood the kind of being powered and then being depowered kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so basically, and then I thought the thing where you're, where you're going through the, like going through the forest and it's like, oh, I, I said this at the time. I was like, oh, like, is the fucking Falcon following you yeah. or are you following the Falcon? I thought That's that so was good. so hokey. So good, <laughs> but then you actually got to the farm and Hawthorne kind of explains yourself and becomes more of a character yeah. and you start doing that thing where you're interacting with the NPCs through your comms, right? Like there's this moment where, you know, you're trying to get like the light back or whatever and Hawthorne is like, no, there are real refugees. There are real right, people right, right. who need your help. And I was like, wow. That's legitimate, yeah, that's right? Good. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's and that's point. that's really. But then your character's a dick and decides to leave all the refugees anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so okay. So to be fair, I also think that that like comes into the religious aspect of it. Like you are a believer in the traveler, but Hawthorne is explicitly not. You know what I mean? And so she doesn't. She doesn't have faith. But you except do. at the end I, when she really she likes Zavala calling her a guardian. Right, right, but that's her character arc. Yeah, well, no, I, I, I thought I, I, her, her, her whole thing is that faith. she wasn't chosen. Yeah, yeah she, I think well, she's salty. She wasn't chosen. Well, it's, it's not that you're not chosen, right? Like, if you're chosen, you also forget everything. It, 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 it's a weird bit of kind of like complicated lore with how the traveler works. But like, it's not that she doesn't have faith. It's just that she's resentful of the fact that she's kind of a second class citizen because she's not a guardian. That's what I mean. Of, like, yeah, not I, I definitely think that's a big Not being respected as a good fighter, like all that shit. Yeah, soup. Um, but any, uh, just to kind of wind it back for a second, buddy, um, this to pose this question to you. Um, how much of you not uh, you not getting what's happening initially is on Bungie, right? Like, I, I think there's, there's good discussion here. But basically, like, you jumped into Destiny 2 and Destiny 1 exists, right? Like, this is like jumping into, like, you know, Empire Strikes Back and being like, well, who the fuck is this Leia person, right? Like... Um, uh, at what level are you expected to have known something because it is a sequel? And I think there's, uh, so I think it's kind of like an onboarding failure. Like, so for instance, um, the big thing that I will, um, uh, so like there's that opening, right. About guardians and the travelers or whatever. If you compare that opening for rooting someone into the world, right. To something like the opening for like you know, like Lord of the Rings or whatever, you know what I mean? Like there's ways to make really compact, tight lore dumps to set like the context of a situation. Yeah. Um, and I think Destiny just failed in in doing that well, right? Because it's talking about like, oh, the Traveler came and then darkness was came and then the, the Traveler sacrificed itself for, for darkness. None of that stuff had anything to do with the plot. It didn't explain, you know, like it didn't talk about the Cabal. It didn't talk about Guardians and the Light. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think that that is the big failure, um, which is, you know, like they tried to include a thing to onboard people like me into the sequel uh, and and they and they missed the mark. 100%. Yeah. I, I think the main thing is, like, they didn't know what story they wanted to tell in Destiny 1, and then Destiny 2, like, alright, let's tell one good story from beginning to end, and they ha- tried to re- reboot it, and didn't, didn't stick the landing at the beginning. Yeah. Like, are you telling the story of Oryx, telling the story of the Cabal, the Light, the Darkness, the Traveler, the Guardian? Who? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I think 
part of what it is is it feels like they want to tell a story about like they want to tell like a big overarching arc but they yeah. don't instead they they tell these these smaller arcs which is like this they tell stories in the world which is fine but like you get the sense that they're trying to push for something bigger and it never really delivers on that yeah i uh, mean they got close to it with the oryx uh all, all of the taken in destiny one and that's why all, another issue with Destiny 2 is like Gaul is not as threatening and, and fearful as Oryx, just generally. So it looks like they look like a step backwards in villainy because Oryx was just a big bad and he was, you were actually very scared of fighting him and you didn't get that sense with Gaul at all. Especially when, when you beat him, it takes you – like you could literally just spam your super and kill him in like five minutes regardless of like gear level. Yeah, well, I, I, think, I think this kind of speaks to kind that of does, like a, I, a pacing problem, right? Like in – Taken King, you kill his son in the solo campaign, but right. you actually kill Oryx in the raid. It, right. Like, ideally, but you also I, see fight Oryx at like top power. Like Oryx, it would be if if Gaul had gotten the light, had won, and half the game was what he did with that light and using yeah. it to his advantage. When really he only gets really uses the light in like the last five minutes of the campaign. Yeah. And Oryx, like fucking, was the Taken King. He was a fucking god. For majority of that game, which is cool. yeah, like, and, I would have. It's also weird because this kind of is the way that WoW does it, right? Like you fight Gul'dan in the Nighthold raid. You don't fight him in right. in the story, even though he is like the big bad that is that is doing bad stuff for for um you know the the early portion of like Legion, right? And so they took all of these other kind of they took all these other things from WoW, but they didn't actually take the story structure that they. I mean, hell, even like minor villains like Xavius, right, who was just right, the right, villain right. to one yeah. zone in Legion, he got a raid where he yeah. was the final boss, and I'm, Gaul didn't get that. You, you kill Garrosh at the end of a story arc, though. Right, like you know, it's See, but even then, that's in that's in World of Warcraft's worst expansion. I mean, you know, I actually like that decision to a certain extent because I think that cinematic is amazing. But um, even then, you know, it's in World of Warcraft's worst expansion um, where the the opening raid tier was completely superfluous. So I think that that was actually okay. like, arguably a pretty yeah, big yeah. mistake from from WoW. Yeah, no, I, I actually would have liked instead of being Emperor Callus because. Who the fuck gives a shit about whoever right, Callus is? Right, exactly. Yeah, it, right. it would have been better if it was something like you kill Gaul in the story and his like, son or something, or like, or, or like see, it, 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 lighted up Gaul, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Right. Like, Gaul yeah. is the villain of is the is the end of the first raid. Yeah, and I, I, I would have rather like instead of Gaul the... killing the console though, like he could have just like rebelled and done, done his own thing. Yeah, like what would have been fucking amazing is like at the end cinematic, you know, when Gaul is like the huge monstrous monstrous light thing. If it cut to black there. And that was the raid. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah exactly that. Yeah, I do think that. I definitely do think that would have been cool. Though I will say that I liked that that completed kind of Gaul's arc because that is the moment when but the he's traveler such a flat does character as recognize Gaul and then kill him. Right, and I think that that completes like Gaul's arc very well. I see that. Um, um, did you guys feel attacked about to... the gameplay to a certain extent? Okay. Um, yeah, because uh, you know, like we've obviously talked a lot about the story, so. Yeah. Um, I have to say that there are aspects of the gameplay that I really enjoy and aspects of the gameplay that I really don't, right? Um, so, for instance, I love the gunplay, right? The guns feel great to fire, um, and I and I think it is satisfying, to, you know, it's satisfying to hit precision shots and everything like that. Um, yeah. I love the enemy. Th this is what, probably my favorite design choice that they made. My guns are all hit scan, but their guns are projectiles, and so... Even though, like, the dodging kind of defensive gameplay of, like, moving around and being mobile isn't, like, really super well-tuned, right? Like, at the end of the day, all you really need to do is not be standing still and you're basically fine for a lot of incoming damage. Um, 
I, I like I like that interaction a lot. Um, yeah. But I'm also very frustrated with stuff like the availability of guns um, and uh, and like the different kinds of guns that I have access to using in the different kinds of slots that I have access to using them in. Oh, um, like the kinetic energy pr- uh, power. So yeah, dynamic. so I think at this point, I just kind of feel like all of these guns. There's basically pistols and assault rifles, right? Um, and they all feel really similar to me, and I'm really feeling the fact that I don't have access to my main weapon being a shotgun or my main weapon Mm. being a sniper rifle, uh, that those are relegated to power weapon status, which is, like, more precious, right? Like, you don't run around killing mooks with, uh, with either of those weapons. And I was wondering what your thoughts on that, on, 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 like, the, the, that kind of weapon distribution, uh, were. So actually, I like the so in Destiny One, it was a regular weapon, and then you had a power weapon, and then you had like a superpower weapon. And in the power weapon slot, the first one you could have shotguns or snipers, and the other one you could have rocket launchers, and then you have one primary. I like that they open it up that you can run, you know, an auto rifle with a scout rifle, or a handgun with a sidearm, or a handgun with an auto. Um, what I actually dislike about the game, in a, in a big way, in the PVE elements, is that. It really restricts your ability to use guns because of fucking ammo. Yep. Your power yeah. weapons like can be used, uh, but the ammo distribution in the game and when they pop off enemies is not well tuned. It feels like I'm usually running out of ammo on my primary or my secondary pretty often. And I think if they tune that, I think maybe your concern around not being able to use your power weapons as frequently as you would be would be fixed at the same time, but I don't know. I ran into it way too way too often that I just fucking run out of ammo all the time. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like you could move one or both those shotguns and sniper rifles into um, into power, yeah, or out of, out of power and into into. Uh, I mean, I don't weapons. think they need to do that for snipers just because you have scout rifles, which yeah, is yeah, almost I, I, the I, I same think thing. It's much, much much stronger argument for shotguns that shotguns. But then be. the argument would be, why don't you move swords out as well? I think I think swords occupy a good place in power weapons. Um. I, got, I, I I see them serving the same role as the shotgun. You know what I mean in terms of go- gameplay. Uh, but um, it's more unique. Like it's a unique slot. Well, no, I know. It's like how grenade launchers and rocket launchers are different, but they have the same purpose. So, so similarly, right? Like, um, sniper rifles are like the hyped up power version of scout rifles. Right. You, you make the sword be the hyped up power version of shotgun. No, I could right? see that. Like, yeah, I, and, and I also yeah. just kind of feel as though um, it 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 does this thing that like I kind of complained about when it comes to PUBG, where it feels like different ranges of uh, like engagement are different. Like I don't really feel a huge return for getting up close with close range weapons or staying far back with far range weapons Ooh. in destiny everything kind of just feels like weirdly like mid-rangey and it's like my abilities right like do i have a melee ability that wants me to you know stay back or a melee ability that wants me to dive in kind of thing um uh and 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 so that's uh that's frustrating i also i'm also comparing it a lot to two other fps experiences that i like a lot you know like yeah. payday 2 which where the the weapon types are very you know what i mean like if you come in with a shotgun it's very different to coming in with a sniper rifle right. uh to any like mission or whatever uh and then borderlands right where we having a shotgun um and having a sniper rifle are also two very like different uh like kind of different play styles i feel like the one thing I do like that they've added in is the elemental damage types on the enemies as well. Like in Destiny 1, the element like barely did anything. In this game, it actually changes the damage you do on an enemy by a pretty significant margin. Like the Nightfall for this week is a pretty cool thing where you have like switch 
your element types based on whenever it's fucking ready, uh, when it's like solar energy or void energy or arc energy. Mm. And that, I think, is a pretty cool thing in the gearing experience of actually like, pairing your best gear with but the elements you need. But that's because it's like a raid mechanic yeah, more yeah. so than the, it is the, a gameplay mechanic. You know what I mean? Fall mechanic, right? Like, I actually think this is a bad like the 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 mechanic. The other mechanic is that if you shoot a shield with the with an element that matches it, it explodes and does a bunch of damage. I find though that in practice, you're not swapping weapons to match that element. It's just you get a nice bonus if your energy weapon happens to match sure. the yeah. element. Which I think is kind of a, a fail. It's, it, it's too bulky to switch elements. I feel like, um, and it's not, not enough yeah. of a benefit to 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 do it. Like, um, especially since like, you know, your power weapon and your energy weapon both have elements attached to it. So like, there's some amount of play there. Um, and I think that does actually come out very nicely in in this raid me- or this nightfall mechanic that we're talking about. Yeah. I think in standard play, it is like the way I. Like, it's I, minimal. I, yeah, yeah. The, or the way I pick my weapons um, is to cover, like, different aspects of play. Because I, I do think there's a little bit more uh, kind of distance play than, than you're giving it credit for, buddy. Although I understand your, your your concerns. But, like, I pick my power weapon based on what I perceive is to be a, a weakness in my loadout otherwise, right? Like, I yeah. usually run, like, hand cannon scout rifle, um, which usually gives me, like, get, which makes me want to pull, like, sniper rifles for super long range. Um or swords for super close range. I don't, I don't kind of fuck with kind of like big bursty damage of the rocket launchers because that's what my hand cannons for. Um, and if I'm running something like Sturm und Drang, um, which are very close range weapons, there is definitely a longer range weapon in my power weapon slot. And at that point, it's not worth wasting the ammo on my power weapon to just match the the shield type, especially since power weapons are very good at just ripping through the shield fucking anyway. Yeah. yeah. So how did they implement this in Destiny 1, like the elemental damage? Like, how was it different? I'm just Honestly, curious. I didn't even pay attention to the elemental damage in Destiny 1 because it's such an afterthought okay. in the wow. entire game. Yeah. So then, I don't know if you guys played Warframe, but the way they deal with their elemental damage is it actually gives you, like, a status effect on the enemy. And if the enemy oh, hits you with elemental, it gives you a status a debuff as well. Like, poison, you get damage over time, that goes through shields. Electricity, it, like, it breaks your shields faster. Flame is also, like, a damage over time. You know, like, stuff like that. That would have been an interesting thing to see, but I don't know exactly how they could implement it. Other than, I do know you can set yourself on fire, so... See, I think that they're actually... This is another one of my frustrations uh, with the game, is that, like, they are very... Like, they're they're adopting some, like, RPG kind of mechanics to a certain extent, with, like, leveling up and, you know, like, loot levels and all this other sort of stuff, but they don't have other RPG mechanics, like um, how in Borderlands or in Payday you kind of incrementally get like talent trees that unlock that specialize your character and stuff like that um and i think that that is kind of like a subsidy of this kind of decision right like at the end of the day they just they want you to to shoot the gun good right they don't want you to build your character efficiently and that's actually Um, one of my gripes with the game that's a huge diversion from destiny one because in destiny one you actually had some semblance of a talent tree not as not as something as complex like a fucking wow or something but You you could build your own character and you have you could spec appropriately for PvE PvP and your own mix and like the way I ran my Night Stalker was pretty unique compared to the way someone else runs your Night Stalker and right now in Destiny two, pretty much you either go two paths. You're yeah, this that really frustrates me. You, you've right? got two paths. You've got a grenade choice, and the grenade choices, as far as I've seen, kind of have a one that everybody chooses right. because it's clearly the best. And, and then you have no, a yeah. jump choice. Which oh, is and like then you have a jump enough. choice, you guys, which is <laughs> our favorite. You know, for, the jump choice is so artificial. Fucking... It's basically yeah. like uh, pick this the better jump. <laughs> like, yeah. well, once I, you get I high enough like level. Even for for most of them, it's like 
pick whichever jump you prefer, but right. it's not like impactful enough to like make a difference, right? Like, it's not I like, mean, I, I feel because, like there's yeah. a PVE jump and there's a PVP jump, and it's the same with grenades. There's a PVP grenade, there's a PVE grenade. Oh wait, really? I see. I feel Almost. like the so I mean, I play a hunter. I feel like the triple jump is just the best jump. Yeah, triple jump. I just don't sure. think I don't see any reason um, to take any other jumps. Yeah, the only thing I would say is that for PVE, I think the directional jump can help you in certain situations. Uh, more so than the triple jump, but that's definitely not the case in PvP. For example, on Titan, you have a high jump, you have the strafe jump that lets you like jetpack around, and then you have like a faster jetpack jump. Yeah. And I'm really reliant on the first jetpack jump. That's pretty slow, but I know in my mind that theoretically that's gonna kill me a lot in PvP. So I yeah, should get I, used I to using one of the other ones. Know. It's like the most so, disappointing yeah. thing because they invested so much time building the lore of all of these subclasses. These own like fucking large subclass missions, and then just gimp the player and actually building their own class yeah. the way they wanted to. Even the way that you can customize how your character looks from the creation, not not like uh, skins and stuff, but like the the character creation felt very limited to me. Yeah, I don't character. know if you guys... Definitely. You know. Yeah, I definitely felt that. The actually other big gripe, uh, speaking of like, um, like power weapon and ammo and all this shit, the actual... So the gunplay's solid, and that needs to be said. Like, the gunplay's yeah, yeah. fucking amazing. It's probably it's, the best gunplay I've ever played. It's uh, budgie, in, in it's FPS. budgie gun, gunplay, yeah. right? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's good. There's I do want to be clear. I do want to be clear that it is specifically like firing the guns and stuff like that. That like that feels really good. There is something, and and this is probably specific to design, me to like a that. certain extent. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure, sure. Uh, I just mean that, like, part of the gunplay being, um, I wish there there were more enemies to mow down a little bit. Like, part of the thing that attracts me to PVE shooters like this is kind of like, like just going crazy on a on a huge horde of bad guys right this is this is what attracts me to payday right um because it's just like constantly tons and tons and tons of waves and waves of these guys spawning um but in destiny i feel as though there are very few like you know if you're out in the open world or whatever and you encounter a couple of guys it doesn't take long to defeat them and it it feels kind of like poultry whereas yeah. like the the kind of or like in the cod zombies fantasy of being kind of like surrounded on all sides right and you need to uh and you need to make every shot count right like that kind of thing yeah um, i mean that board mode is probably coming soon i would i would hope yeah, Buy I mean, it for 10, it, I felt it, for I felt it to a certain extent in the raids. Yeah, that one um, section, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. But another thing they actually misstepped here was, um, the, like, what do, what do you guys feel about the itemization of the game? Because my biggest issue right now with all of Destiny uh, is the guns, the exotics, specifically in Destiny 1, felt far more special and exotic than they do in Destiny 2. Like, I, in Destiny 2, there's one uh, exotic that's supposed to be the same as the one in Destiny 1 that changes your trip mine grenade stuff. Okay. But this is like a great example of what's wrong. So Destiny 1, that same exotic, which focused on your trip mine grenades as the solar subclass as a hunter, gave you another trip mine grenade and gave you two of them. In Destiny 2, all it does is it extends the duration of the one you have. So like the, the power level of exotics is completely neutered in Destiny 2 compared to Destiny 1. And that really sucks because you can only use one exotic one time. And they made it a lot easier to get exotics too, which ruined the satisfaction of getting I almost the wish place. they would have added another class of weapon between exotic and yeah, legendary. Right? Like because exotics and if you can get it from tough. a normal quest line, I don't think it should be an exotic. I feel uh, like you should only get exotics from like raids and maybe like RNG. Like It can uh, be a quest anger. line, but it needs to be a lot tougher than the quest lines here. Like the Destiny Well, that's kind of what line... we're complaining about. The entire plot seems to be a little bit not that you know yeah. it's it's a little too cookie cutter for me and it's a little too simple like almost. everyone can get the money the raids are here. the raids are different but i just mean like everything 
basically the game is you level up through the campaign you uh do the extended quest to get your exotics so that you can get your power level up and then you mm-hmm. hit the slump between 260 and 270 and then by the time you hit 270 you can actually like theoretically do the raid and then that's when you should get like another tier of gear right yeah i i i think i think i fundamentally agree with you monica i don't think the exotics feel powerful enough for like how yeah. how hard they're sold um and then they're not really as build defining i think as, as they should right. be right um I, yeah, yeah, and that, I, I think I, I ultimately agree with you that the right solution is 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 like uh, I, I was originally going to come out and kind of try and defend uh, uh, questline exotics because I think there's a place for them for kind of like your base level exotic. Um, but I think you're ultimately right that like there should either be a different level or like only one kind of easy to get questline exotic, right. just to kind of like set you up so that you're not totally totally off, uh, you know, a power level askew. Um, yeah. So I do want to ask about uh, uh, about the raid. How did you guys feel about uh, the raiding experience that we had yesterday? This okay. is coming. It's I've, what I've, I've gone through all the. So I'll, I've, I, for my my bias here is I've played all the Destiny One raids, so I'm coming at it from that viewpoint. Okay. Um, and then obviously, Buddy and I have some World of Warcraft raid experience. Yeah, I, I you know, my my operative raid uh, uh, kind of like purview is very World of Warcraft, so that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. Um. So I'm just going to head this one off at the pass because this is kind of also ties back into regular gameplay stuff. Um, and I know this is becoming a meme among our friend group, but <laughs> uh, the platforming in this game, I don't understand why there's so much of a focus on it. It's not great. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very mediocre. And it, it didn't bother me in the baths because the baths, the kind of platforming is kind of like ancillary. Um, but in the, in the, the, the freaking dogs area. Like, the garden. The, the yeah. garden. Those like the the kind of inadequacies of the platforming, um, really like because it's such like a fundamental part of the raid experience in, in, the, in that that wing of the raid, it was really infuriating to me. Um, just comes to some kind of like fundamental di- design decisions, like like the the platforms aren't, um, especially for like, uh, the fucking post raid where we went and found a hidden chest. Like yeah. jumping on pipes is. It, the reason you don't jump on horizontal pipes in most games is because getting kind of like where you need to land in a 3D environment on a rounded surface is fucking nightmarish. Yeah. Like, and, and like, that's that's a problem with the post-rate stuff. And I, there were some similar problems with, with the garden, which is I think that the platforming in this game shouldn't be here as nearly as much of it is, especially in uh, Titan, right? Like, that, yeah. that, fu- that fucking level, especially everyone was compla- the Yeah, everyone was complaining about Titan but and the falling thing is, into the water. By now, though, it's like it's like a the the noob hill almost. You're not used to it, so you complain about it. But then once you get used to it, like now, I have no problems with it because I can control my jump better. Um, and I, 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 mean, yeah, a... I just don't agree with that. Yeah, I very much no. agree with Mango. I actually, I, you know, and I, and I want to take a moment here to defend. Like, I don't actually think that the problem is first person. Uh, platforming, because I think that first-person platforming is definitely possible and even good in places, right? Like, you know, the thing you, people talk about Mirror's Edge, but I think Mirror's Edge was a pretty okay implementation sure. of first-person platforming from the perspective of like it wasn't focused on hitting your jumps, right? It wasn't focused on precision in the same way that like a Mario game is about precision jumps or Super Meat Boy is about precision platforming, right? It was focused on momentum and it was kind yeah. of about like embodying that like parkour kind of um uh like move set 
<clears throat> that that you would that you would get. The problem here is that this is specifically first person platforming that is emphasizing precision. Right? I that don't mind is that. What is so frustrating? The reason being that you can play a game like CS:GO, which is almost in the in the normal version of CS:GO, it's almost entirely based on gunplay and tactics and stuff like that. But you can build something great out of it, out of like KZ. Uh, surfing, um, bunny hopping, things that were implemented just not intended to platform, but which can be used to platform. So, so, so I mean, surfing, surfing is different, right, than, than precision platforming. Right? I mean, bunny hopping, is it? Or KZ? Uh, uh, bunny hopping is, is it's like speed boosting, right? By like Yeah, by but, like... You, but the way that you do it on the maps is you have to hit your jumps in certain spots. It's literally yeah. platforming. I... It's... So, so there, there's an element there that's kind of like the 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 ability to control your jumps, and I think that like hunters get really close to having that amount of control, but the floatiness of the floating jumps in in Destiny is way too it, it's just it's, it's way too in, imprecise for the precision level of precision that they're asking you for. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a balance here. Like, there's a level of mastery in the jump, even on the Titan jump as well. Yes, but 100 percent agree with you that. Just by the the nature of the Titan jump being a floaty type jump, that there's a level of inaccuracy there. But going back to the Mirror's Edge example, like I feel like the platforming and precision made sense there because the environment itself was also kind of precise and and sterilized and, and neutral. It was a bunch of just fucking ninety degree angles all over the place, and I don't think they could do that in Destiny without losing some of the world charm. You have to deal with fucking rounded corners and surfaces when you're jumping around. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that, that that makes sense, but that means that you shouldn't make this this first person platforming the focus of your your raid mechanics. But right? it like, wasn't the focus, right? Like it's definitely the focus of of the garden, right? Like that's and it's the, super the focus of that fucking garden. Uh, no, for, 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 for I mean, the, the platforming was literally like there, like the the two folks at the top have to jump. So how I look at it is that all right, if we need precision for two folks at the jump uh, at the top to jump, we need to get hunters up there. And make sure the hunters are controlling the platforming because they are able to jump appropriately to the platform without dropping. I think dropping. that's just shitty design, then, right? Like you should. No, because uh, I but like that's the like idea saying that you well, so raid, the raid tells you that the healer has to heal you at this point. Yeah, in the, right. Yeah, but, but yeah, like, I, 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 are you going to complain this about is that? Based around that mechanic, right? Like, if this game was like you need to bring a hunter, a titan, and uh, two hunters, well, two titans, and two warlocks that's to every race, to be. Like, I'm in, fine with that. Yeah, right? and Destiny but 1, that's, game, but that's, that's not that. what we're saying. We're saying there's an optimum way to run it. For example, you could get a heal from a cleric or a heal from a shaman, and wow, there's different levels of efficacy depending on what the raid is, right? Wow, yeah, there's always, there's always gonna... <laughs> Wow. Oh, you know what I mean. The, not the cleric, but the, the priest. Sorry, whatever. You know what I mean. I haven't played it since uh, since Wrath or whatever, so I haven't. I, it's been a while. Right, but you, you but don't have my that point is that there's... you don't have that holy trinity in this game. And yeah. It's also not like it's not like your substitute like there's there's other things to slot in the warlock and the titan in for in this game, right? It's like for so the jumping the puzzles, like you need in, to bring a hunter. And that's you literally you don't have thing. to though. It's just easier to. Do you in understand? Destiny One, like each role had their part to play. Like in in, in Destiny One, you would have a, and you could see this in Destiny Two. We even completed the entire raid, so maybe we'll we'll learn more as we do finish it. But in Destiny One, let's say the King's Fall raid. You had to have the hunter complete the platforming sections because it was too risky for anyone else to do it. So there's a section where literally one person had to run, and it was constant platforming. It was a ton of fun. And there's another section in the raid where the hunter actually had to wear a special exotic armor piece uh, called the Bones of Eo. Again, going back to like exotics being neutral, neut- uh, neutered in Destiny 2, 
the Bones of Eo gave you two additional jumps, so you could get to the special part in the raid if you were a hunter with the special gear. And at the end of the raid, you had to have a Titan on board with Wards of Dawn to actually run that final part of the raid at all. So, like, wait, wait, is... you had to have specific equipment to play. To achieve certain milestones. This sounds no, no, no. awful, by yeah, the way. Th th I just want to say that this sounds fucking garbage. Yeah, like. If, I disagree. Like, like, if it's a bonus objective. Maybe yeah, it's, it's I all bonus stuff. Yeah, it's all bonus stuff. Oh, oh, okay, okay, that's better. I thought yeah. like you wouldn't be able to progress through the raid unless someone had some like random piece no, of no, gear. No, 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 no. no. But, <laughs> like, but you wouldn't be fuck? able to. You definitely wouldn't be, be able to beat hard mode raid if you didn't have two titans with wards of dawn who knew what the hell they were doing. Oh, that, that's <clears> all, that, that sounds terrible, right? Like, I why is that terrible? That's like having. That's like what? That's like. No, like no. in the old school days of WoW, when you actually had to get your shit together to accomplish right. it, yeah, instead of having to like, WoW was bad, and we have new WoW. Which is see, great. I disagree. I, I don't like, think new I WoW like is bad. Challenge. I mean, I, I like the. I think they're catered for different team. crowds. Well, so so I mean, I it, it, uh, now I'm now I'm kind of on on the fence because I don't quite understand. So when you say hard mode, is that like heroic mode? Is that like another tier of the gameplay? I don't so, quite yeah, so, understand what like, you, I, or I is that like a bonus thing, like a like a challenge? It's, so yeah, it's, so basically, it's prestige mode, basically. It's 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 yeah. a higher level of difficulty. It's hard. Okay, mode. and there's it's, hard mode. Yeah, and I mean, there's also so, hard mode okay, challenges. At that point, then I I I don't quite know where I fall on it because I mean, mythic raid, like to try and like put this in WoW terms, um, mythic raiders often you know like there's best in slot and they need right. certain exactly. kind of gear right best in slot and hard requiring it are different things right like if you told me it's okay, easiest fair, to yeah. do with this particular exotic uh this yeah, particular that's, that's exotic that's, that's, clear. that's that's fine i'm if pretty it, sure that's what monic saying in order he's saying for that to work, he's saying that the likelihood of failure is much higher if you don't have this particular item but, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible there's certain special areas in the raid that can only be accessed if you have a certain piece but of gear. But those are bonus areas. They're not necessary to complete. Yeah. Okay. They're not necessary to complete the raid. Yeah. I also but that, am not a huge fan of that, but I think that's less bad. But the thing is, that's why I love about Destiny is like having those special moments, like really fighting to find this exotic piece of gear exactly. or like but reaching a special moment. area. That's exactly the same moment that everybody else has to have. Right? No, it should be if you worked really hard to get something, you should have a sense of accomplishment over it instead of just oh anybody can just do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, no. But it's not. It's not. It's not an accomplishment to get a good roll, right? Like it's not an accomplishment when I roll a d twenty to get a six, right? Like if I get a six and I get the right fucking piece of exotic gear, that's not an accomplishment. Yeah, but the difference. But that's because that's chance based instead of grind based. Do you know I, what how is this not? Wait, 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 wait. Because you have Hold to grind to get the gear. What? Grind is exactly <laughs> chance based. <laughs> No, 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 I'm not talking no, about I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know exactly how it works in Destiny 1, but it's like certain, certain in, in most games, certain spots, certain quests, certain raids give you a percent chance of certain rewards, right? Okay, so, so, so I think I get what you're getting at, and I think it's less stupid than I initially thought it was. Um, <laughs> and not, not, not to like, so, so, look, so if the difference is, is you grind to get like a, an eye level X item, right? Like you have a chance of getting a high level item, that's fine right like i i actually agree with that right like in, a, in the general grind sense for like you grind to get better gear um but the grind to get a specific piece of gear is not that right like it's not a grind to get like in this equivalent situation to get a piece of 280 gear it's a grind to get the specific exotic that you need that's not an accomplishment that's just rolling a die enough times until sure, you hit the right yeah, right I agree. Number. I'm not looking for uh, what I'm saying is that it made me uh, made the character player feel special, and that's what I think is missing a bit in Destiny Two. You don't feel as special as you did in Destiny One with your special items that you maybe luckily got or fought for. 
So, so I'm I'm okay with feeling special because you're able to kind of like be more effective in the raid because of your loadout. Right. That's fine to me. But being able to to accomplish specific things, that I think actually works against that concept because I don't feel special if I have to wear something to do something. I feel like I'm being forced into a box, right? Mm. If I have to wear the thing that gives me an extra two jumps, I don't actually have a choice there, right? I have to I I have to I have to wear that 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 piece of gear. Right, and so th- that's not me feeling special. That's me conforming to what the game wants me to conform to. Uh, the the early implementations of Legion and Legendaries is very much this kind of thing. If you, I mean, it's a it's a grind to get Legendaries, and if you quote unquote roll bad and get a bad Legendary, that feels bad. Right. Um, this has subsequently been changed. You know what I mean? Like this has subsequently been changed, um, and and a lot of balancing has gone into it by Blizzard to try and make the legendaries equivalent. So no matter what legendary you get, you're like, yes, cool, awesome. I now get a le- you know like I now have a legendary item, and this is neat, um, sort of thing. So yeah, I definitely think that the kind of like grinding or whatever uh, is something that needs to be balanced, and that you know specific items is 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 rough. But on the other hand, you can have the other extreme where everything is like it is now. It's just too easy to get exotics and that they lose their meaning as a result. I'm, I actually don't think I, the ease of getting exotics is the core problem. I think the core problem is that the exotics aren't special enough. Yeah, I think the yeah. exotics are not, not different or, or, or interesting. Right, like, but, I, okay, I, let's I, say I, you I, had a bunch of different exotics, game. but they were easy to get. That <clears> kind of inherently lowers their value. Um, So I don't think so because of the – like I think a universe that exists where like instead of – grinding for exotics the, the game is essentially you just get to pick your exotic and that affects how you play the game i think that's fine i think that's kind of like um picking a loadout in any kind of like multiplayer fps shooter right like i think i think that concept can work um i i obviously i think i think i agree with you i think in this kind of mmo context it's better to have them be kind of a challenge to get yeah. um uh, but I, I don't think that that's the primary problems with, with exotics. As I, I, th- I think it's their kind of, as Monik said, their 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 kind of lack of uh, uh, lack of dis- distinguishingness, right? Like um, for a game, it's almost without, like, like a lack of impact, lack of imagination. So we've talked a lot yeah. about problems. It feels like <clears throat> when yeah. it comes to you know, like when it comes to Destiny, like when it comes to the game and everything. Um, I'm interested. How long do you like foresee yourselves playing? Like how long do you think that we're going to ride this Destiny train? Probably until we beat all the content, or like you know, like the significant, like we beat the raid, and then if there's no other raid, what else is there for us to do, right? I mean, I, that's kind of why I, I don't like the fact that it was sixty dollars for this <laughs> without. Doesn't seem it seems like once. It, it seems like you were saying they were trying to do a complete story, but then there's no replay value after you've completed it. Um, I I think I think we can kind of like hit like it, the, the the different version slightly different version of this is when you hit max light level. Um, when when we hit 305, there's probably not going to be a lot left for us to do. Yeah. Um, and I, I think this game curves poorly, right? Like, um, to, to compare it to WoW, to, to kind of harken back to what I said earlier. Way too about, powerful, too fast, you're saying? Yeah, it's, essentially, you hit, like, the soft cap way too fast, and it's way too much of a slog up the rest yeah. of the curve. Right. Um, I like, agree like, that. like that, that corner is way too hard or, or whatnot. Um, uh, essentially, uh, compared to Diablo 3, which I think is a, like... There's a point where I play Diablo three like on a in a season like I play to a certain point where I hit a po- like a, enough of a power jump to where the only things left for me to do is grind for like incremental increases in like gems or like the same piece of gear but with a better roll on it and that's where I fall off. Um, 
I think and I I think that you you want to space that curve out more. Like I, I think WoW does it better. Where like you're playing the raid each week to get um a, a an incremental increase, but like you're fairly likely to get that increase, but like you you're not going to hit the 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 theoretical max anytime soon. Yeah. Um, I think what's going to bring us back is is. Yeah, they, they, they screwed up the, the leveling quite a bit. But I think the main thing that's going to get us back is if they really improve the gear. Like, the raid gear needs to feel a lot more special than it does right now, because I didn't really yeah. get anything that was special. That's because we raid. didn't beat the raid, though. That's no. true. That's true, but still. like, like I, they, they, they you, have, you will get a powerful gear set off of winning the raid, right? right. And then you pair get... that with a Destiny 1 experience. The Destiny yeah. 1 experience, you completed a section of the raid, and a huge pop-up pops on your screen with some really cool fucking loot that you could only get in that section of the raid. And over here, they've repurposed it with a token system, which, doesn't, again, doesn't feel as special as I just beat this really tough, complicated part of the raid. Um, And the other part of this is that, like, I don't think you get unique rewards except for shaders, right, for beating the raid, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you could theoretically get an ex- any any of the exotics out of a random thing, right? You, there's no like raid exclu- exclusive stuff besides the shaders. Yeah. Uh, well, going back to the raid though, what did you what do y'all think of that first round, uh, first part of the raid, the bats? Yeah, like, I, lo- I, I, uh, I I love the, the bats, but I have to say that um, you know another friend of ours who also does a lot of WoW raiding, Enoch, uh, basically said that this is worse than WoW raiding. I disagree with that. I think WoW raiding is fundamentally better. The difference is there's less of an infrastructure for it. Uh, one of the things about WoW raiding that's different is that there are people. You know what I mean? Like because WoW raiding is so ingrained in the culture. Um, People go on the beta and they do the fights and then they make videos and guides about how to do the fight so that like yeah, when yeah. you first walk into a raid, right, every, like the expectation is you watch the video and then we're all trying to replicate that video. And I think that that's less like fun and engaging than what we were doing in the Destiny raid, which is kind of like, okay, well, here's the set of mechanics. Let's like progressively iterate on our strategies right. um, in order to achieve like the goal of getting like the raid down um if that makes sense and i think the difference there is like the ecosystem right and that and that kind of uh, like exterior um expectation of you know like the culture where in round where in wow you're expected to have watched the video and know the fights um or whatever but in destiny we were all kind of discovering the fights together i think discovering the fights together was really awesome and a lot of fun so i think there's there's a couple parts of uh, a couple parts to unpack about that uh i think in some in some ways you're ultimately right um but I think part of it too is that like there's there's only six people in a Destiny raid, which I think makes it much easier to do that um, over a while raid, which is like what which which is yeah yeah ten yeah, to yeah. twenty people exactly. Um, um, but I also think part of it is that I think you still like I think one of the failings of Destiny is you still need a core explanation or an explanation of the core mechanics of how the raid works before you can start that iteration process, right? If all of us went completely blind into that raid, it would have been miserable trying to figure out what the fuck was happening. <laughs> I would have right? loved it, honestly. I actually would have loved I us going was, on blind. I think that would have been terrible. It would have like, taken a long fucking time and like, we probably would have lost friendships. <laughs> but, like, there's no indication that you're supposed to, stand, supposed to stand on the fucking platforms, right? Like, Other than the fact that you get a buffer standing on this is testing yeah you test shit out like i i don't think i don't think that that's i don't think banging your head against that basic of what's happening is fun i I think i agree with buddy that like the ability to kind of like once you know approximately what you're supposed to do then iterating on it i think that is fun um Mm. but i i I think kind of like the level where you had to where you had to figure out that you have to stand on the corners is not like, what I did love is the whole we got the token uh, from the first completion, uh, and then we had to like 
uh, you have to like go outside the ship and there's this whole hidden ex- area to explore to like get access to under the ship like that whole like, exploration aspect of the raid i think was pretty well done and we didn't even seen like half of it yet oh uh, man i don't know how much i agree with that because at the end of the day we just looked up a guide to get there I guess. That's true. yeah yeah you know, like, I, I think if you could explore the ship and find random rewards that might be but i still don't think that's great either because like then you just have like chest runs happening um uh and uh uh, yeah, I, I I think ultimately you have to just kind of look up a guide because there is no way in hell anybody any of us was like randomly figuring out. Yeah, how but to get somebody that had to, day. right? Think about yeah, that I think that that's garbage. Like, I like I I don't think that that aqueduct chest is is nearly an, enough of a reward um, for what you had to do to get there. So I think um, the the chests would work a lot better uh, if they were kind of like if like the ship was more easily traversable, but still like explorable, and they were like randomized. You know what I mean? So yeah. we couldn't just look up a guide to get there, and so we could so we could that would just up. make Mango super frust. Well, so I well, so <laughs> I think what it would do is it would kind of be like okay, well now at the end of the raid we're all gonna break and we're gonna run around until we find where the chest kind of spawned. Like maybe you could get something right. out of that, uh, but even then I think that that would almost kind of be like tedious. To I I, I don't ha- I don't know that I have a good. So they had that exact that. same th- the exact dynamic in uh in the King's Fall raid in Destiny One where the, wow. the you'd explore shit. And the, <laughs> it really the, sounds the, like Destiny the... One was a lot better game. <laughs> <laughs> no, so this is the thing like. The, the Destiny 1 raids, so far, we haven't completed the raids, so I, I need to hold my breath, but the Destiny 1 raids, so far, were significantly better than uh, the Destiny 2 raid. The opening was far more cinematic and, and felt like actually had weight to it. The actual first encounters felt a lot stronger than this raid. I will say the mechanics of the bats were like comparable to Destiny 1 raid mechanics, so that's exciting and like made sense. Like every, Everyone had to play their part, but Destiny 1 raids were more complex, felt more special, um, and just had better rewards. But I still wouldn't go back to Destiny 1 because all the other niceties just overarching in Destiny 2, it's just a better game. <laughs> it's hard to say that when, when I just said Destiny 1 has better rewards and shit, but Destiny 2 is just a well-thought-out, better-put-together game. You don't have to go to fucking orbit every two seconds to change something. Let's keep this in mind. Like In Destiny 1, you had to go to a new activity you would have to first get to orbit and then go to the activity. You couldn't jump from activity to activity. So if you had to go through a new public event, go back to the tower, go to anything, you had to go to orbit first. So those quality of life things just made me like Destiny 2 a hell of a lot more. So basically it's more open world, less instanced, and you like that? Yeah. yeah. That's, that, sure. that's cool. I get that. I do enjoy the open world aspects of uh, of Destiny. I think that that's, uh, that's, really, that's yeah. real nice. Um, on, on the specific aspect of, of like the chest exploration stuff, I think there's a way to do it that's less kind of pernicious. But like jumping up that waterfall, um, and maybe this just speaks back to my frustration with the platforming mechanics. Like that doesn't seem like a thing that necessary. Like there's not enough there to like signal that you definitely can get up that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, it took me five or six attempts to get my jump just right to get to to get to the foothold there. Um. And I, I feel like you could definitely do it in a way that was less kind of crazy. Um, but I also don't think it's great to tie, like, such, like, imp- such fundamental rewards behind that, right? Like, I think there's a, a, like, honestly, I think if the rewards were less, it would be better, right? Like, yeah. if we jumped up there um, and we found, like, a little piece of lore, that kind of excuses the fact that it's kind of obtuse because it's actually purely optional, right? Part of our 
reward for doing the raid was contingent on us finding that chest. And that's kind of shitty, right? Like, like if, if there wasn't a guide out there, if this game wasn't popular and there wasn't enough people out there, I'd be kind of frustrated that part of our expected reward was hidden behind that kind of, like, obtuse bullshit. Yeah, the, the, the rewards of the raid are really fucked up. They have not done that, a good job there. They thought they could stuff everything into a token system and, like, it just doesn't fucking work. Okay, so I definitely do want to hit on Warhammer 2, but do you guys right. have any final thoughts uh, when it comes to Destiny and stuff uh, about think, Destiny 2? For me, overall, I'm disappointed with the state of the game. I don't... I think the gameplay is good, but the overall state of the game is not where I'd like it to be. Because I, I, I guess I just expected more from the hype and the... And, like, from from everybody telling me, you know, like, it was going to sort of unify everything that Destiny 1 was, even though I didn't play Destiny 1, I sort of knew what it was about and had a certain expectation. So, that's that's my thoughts on that, I guess. Yeah, I, I definitely think the game's fun. I'm definitely having a blast with it, despite, you know, our, our hour of bitching. Yeah. Um, but, uh... I, I definitely think it, it, it could use some improvements. And I definitely don't think it's a it's it's a perfect game. Um, but I'm yeah. still hyped. I'm still hyped. I mean, I think that the foundation is here. If they just fix the fucking itemization, same shit in Diablo three. Like when Diablo three Reaper of Souls came out, they actually fixed the itemization of the game, and game game became a hell of a lot better. I think you can do something similar here, but they really got to nail this next expansion. Ooh, that cool. might be the best way. I've heard it said. I think that's definitely true. I think that's definitely the way to... Uh, I think that's definitely the way for them to go. It's to kind of, like, Reaper of Soulsify it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Warhammer 2 also came out, um, and I've been playing just, like, a fucking ridiculous amount of that game, you guys. <laughs> like, yeah, dude. it's unhealthy. I have 122 hours uh, after about a little a little more than a month of, uh, uh, of, uh, of gameplay. Um... I've talked about it a little bit on the cast. I love it. It's so great. It's super fun. Uh, what are your What are your impressions of Total War? Where you know, like, where do you want to start? Well, uh, as someone who oh, go ahead, go go for it, go for it. Okay, as someone who <laughs> has everyone jumped on that. <laughs> well, I mean, we were respectfully waiting for someone to start, and then nobody did. <laughs> but anyway, so from someone who played the first one, and I've played, let's see, Medieval Two, Rome, um. I don't know, just, like, I felt like the races were not... Because, like, I know they came out with Mortal Empires recently, too, and I don't know if you've played that, but I've watched uh, some streams of it, and it just seems like the old world doesn't really stack up to the new world. And I... I don't know. I don't know if you guys got that feeling, but... I think it's a, it's good. I don't know if they should have called it Warhammer 2. They could have called it, like, Warhammer 1, the new world. So kind of going back to our, like, DLC rant or discussion earlier um it's a good addition um some of the mechanics seem to be pretty fun but i I don't know if it should have been a standalone title if that makes any sense yeah um i don't know i i for whatever reason have like i'm historically like the the total war games but for whatever reason i haven't been able to been been pulled in like super fully into the game um i, I don't know i don't know what uh what would what, what happen but like i definitely think i agree with x from the little bit i've played of both games that um the, the the uh that i like the kind of universality of things more in in uh into like specifically the kind of like bifurcation of of habitable land 
um, for for the Greenskins and the Dwarves versus the uh, the Counts and the and the Empire just always rubbed me the wrong way. And the fact that they've kind of smoothed that out a little bit, I think, is a is a big improvement. Um, I also think I'm just kind of more of a fan of the races in the new game. Not that I played all of the races in the old right, game, right, right. Um, but I just kind of like fundamentally like the variety a little bit more uh, in in the in the new game. Yeah, I definitely think that there's a lot to love uh, in the new game and like the new races. They 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 it, they did a lot of things I think to make the game just like overall better. Um, like with agents uh, and like the way that heroes work, it's a lot more streamlined. Even now. zooming out the map. You don't have to press uh, tab anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, like magic uh, in the world has been has been made more impactful, and there are different kinds of spells uh, that do that do a lot more interesting things. I don't know. I I, I the, the, all of the legendary lords have these like really unique skill trees and choices that you can kind of make that like make them incredibly powerful in one facet or another. Um, so also so yeah, the lore the lore for each of the races was actually fleshed out this time in War Two. Yeah, that's definitely right. You know, like, I think that's, that stuff works well. Have you played any Mortal Empires, Monik? No, I haven't played Mortal Empires yet. I heard it's kind of still a mess. Uh, I heard yeah, they need definitely... to patch some stuff. But... So they they did just release a patch. So basically, I mean, basically they were just like, look, we're just like getting this in the player's hands as quickly as possible. Um, and that included a couple of uh, bugs. The big one being that when Chaos spawned, they only it, was, you. <laughs> it was only at war with the player. And so they just make oh, a fucking hilarious. beeline for the player. <laughs> and when you're playing on, and like when you're playing on like very hard or like legendary difficulty, when Chaos spawns, it's like 17 fucking doomstacks. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Chaos warriors, like ignoring everybody else is just like shitting on you um i think i love about so. warmer 2 is like the first total war i've played where i actually fell fell through a story yeah it's not or like so create your own else. plot it's like they actually had a plot for you to flesh out yeah which I yeah the vortex liked. campaign was a lot like that definitely uh the vortex campaign was very hard for me to play because i'm i'm not uh i think i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a kind of like a defensive and like conservative total war player you know where like i need to have all my ducks in a row before i do a thing but like the rituals and like the way that rituals work make you you, you have to be aggressive if you're going to win the game um otherwise you're just going to get you're just going to get steamrolled by the other by the other races so there even if they if another faction completes the ritual you still have the final battle right is that how it works? Yes, yeah, so you get the final battle, um, which allows you to st stop the enemy from completing their ritual, but you still have to complete yours. Also, right. that final battle, if you are doing the final... Okay, so this is a little bit of spoilers, but like, if you're going to play the final battle with your army, you have your one army, and you go up against uh, essentially three armies, um, one from the other races. Now you go up against four armies if you're, uh, if you're in the if you are in the final battle to right. prevent someone else from winning, you are essentially 1v4 instead of 1v3, whereas if you are just playing the final battle to win the game, you are 1v3. So it is harder to, to win the game by, mm -hmm. by doing the the stall mechanic but it still gives you like a like a last chance sort of thing right? yeah 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 i don't know if i, I like didn't that. Know that i actually didn't know that at the time um i uh, i saw it on stream that's why i asked because like it seemed like i would have rather they just complete the ritual and you lose because you you know because all the other total warhammers it's like you get so strong you don't bother to like win because you know what I mean? Because like, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. it's not fun anymore. You're auto-resolving every battle. Just, every I, battle at a certain yeah. point, it's just trivial kind of thing. Exactly. That final battle was a ton of fun. Didn't it? That final battle was legit. I had a did, uh, so so you played Skaven, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, I played Skaven, uh, Clan Pestilence. I was Skrulk. Yeah. So, how? What was your like legendary? What was that, like your final army composition so like? Final army was uh, two Doom Wheels, four Hell Beasts, like five wow. <laughs> uh, Warp Lightning Cannons, and then um, just what the, the hell? Infantry. Because uh, the, the the fucking artillery for the Skaven are killer. Yeah, they have the, they literally have the best artillery in the game. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Um, actually, my issue with Warhammer Two and actually all the Total Wars they slow and fix is diplomacy still seems like a half assed. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. That's a big complaint that a lot of people have is that you don't have the ability to trade settlements through diplomacy. So what ends up happening is like your ally, like you will attack a place and then sack it, and then in the in the next turn when you're going to go occupy it, like your ally swoops in and like occupies the settlement or whatever, and now you can't complete the province without like fucking declaring war on one of your own allies, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I definitely, I'm definitely on board with you when, when, when it's the, the I think I think diplomacy is not super well done. And one other thing they took a step back on is uh, the actual. So I, I enjoy the campaign map, but I actually enjoy the battles a hell of a lot more in Total War. That's why I play the game. But mm-hmm. in the old Total Wars, you could actually have you could actually micro quite a bit more than you do in the most recent Warhammer Two, and I think that's because the unit types are so distinct. You can't do formations. You can't do any of that goofy shit. Like, if you remember in Medieval Total War and Rome Total War Two, and even Shogun, you could have set formations for all of your unit types, and that actually impacted the battle significantly. In all of Warhammer Two and Warhammer One, it's you know one stack versus one stack, and just ran them at each other. And all you. I mean, what formations did you really use other than like wedge for cavalry and maybe occasionally shiltron for pikemen and even those though like i didn't feel like but those you, lived in those were almost like they were very situational i felt you know what i mean yeah i i am less on board with those mostly because i think like i end up do i do a lot of micro and warhammer and warhammer 2 but the micro is all on lords and heroes which i think is magic kind of appropriate stuff, yeah. yeah it's like it's like magic you know what i mean like i do i do so the micro is less about me you know getting um getting certain units to do certain things and is more about me like okay well this is where i'm gonna throw in malekith to like you know right, like, right, wreck right. the enemy flank or whatever or i'm gonna cast this huge bombardment spell to just like wreck up a b- bazillion kills and get a chain route sort of thing and i also do micro with other stuff too you know like i'll, I'll micro my like when i have like a dragon in, a, in an army um or when i have like cavalry as bretonia you know like to do those cycle charges that's all that's all micro in fact now that i'm thinking about it i do a lot of micro with other units too like in wood elves like wood elves are my favorite race to yeah, play yeah. um and i've been playing a big wood elves mortal empires campaign um i, I micro the shit out of those missile infantry um with wood elves because you kind of have to you know what i mean um skirmishers and engaging and yeah 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 so i think it's a little bit about like what you choose to what you choose to micro to a certain extent that's fair that's fair um overall though i mean i i'm gonna arc elf campaign soon with his name is soon Malekith or yeah, Malekith, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Malekith is a fucking monster. <laughs> he is. Uh, he's kind of. Like, I mean, people said this about Manfred von Karstein in the first game because he had access to like two lords of. Uh, he had access to two winds of magic and like the battle line, so you could just like spend all of your points on just making him like one v fifty everyone because his just like stats were uh were super good and Malekith is a lot like that. Like Malekith. 
He's he has the access to the 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 dark lore of magic, which is just like insanely powerful, and he just like gets in melee with people and fucks shit up. Like it's pretty awesome. Well, what is your take on the corruption gameplay element? So corrupt vampire corruption, fucking scaven corruption, all that shit. Did you pay attention to it? Did you like position your agents to take you, advantage you, of that? You have to, don't you? Well, it See, Do you didn't... mean playing as it or playing against it? Either or. I just felt like the whole corruption mechanic didn't have as much weight as I had hoped it would. At least on the Skaven side. On the Vampire I mean, side, it had more, but... When I played my Vampire thing, it's like, if you don't have your corruption up to par, people just start revolting like no nobody's business, and then... Like, you can't, you can't control shit if you don't have your corruption on point. That's how uh, I, feel. I like it. I, I like it in different ways. Um, for instance, I love it for the Skaven because it feels very cool about how the Skaven, right, like... The, well, yeah. they just you know what i mean like the first of all the corruption hits them as much as it hits everyone else right yeah. uh, they get a little bit of a benefit from it because they get minutes from below or whatever but just like no matter what you do like these fucking rats are filthy and gross and yeah. the more <laughs> of them you stack in a fucking province right cool. uh the the lower your public order is gonna get because they're just like I, and so i think that that's awesome i also love it for vampire counts specifically because like that kind of like creeping corruption from like the haunted forest sort of thing and like you know you're corrupting the enemy lands through osmosis and then marching your armies in and now all of their armies have attrition and all this public order you know like i think that 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 fantasy um is uh is very cool chaos corruption is the one that i'm least interested in uh in most cases just because it comes from um so like the, the a big source of chaos corruption in the game for instance is when the chaos invasion starts all provinces get a little bit of chaos corruption and that's just kind of like annoying but like not significant enough like it, 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 I don't know. And chaos corruption is the one that doesn't serve as much of a purpose to me as the other kind. Well, of I thought the lore was do. like the winds of magic change because of the chaos uh, encroachment or whatever, and that's why every province gets like a little bit fucked by the corruption. Or, yeah, or I'm my, sure that, that it does. Wrong? It just it just doesn't have the same kind of like gameplay feel that like the vampire corruption um, or the Skaven corruption do in the, in that same sense just because it kind of is it's a little bit of corruption for everyone whereas with the vampire counts right like you are you are incentivized to make kind of these slow creeping gains or to throw a bunch of vampires in their territory to up their chaos corruption and then march your army in when they're getting like attritioned and shit see i saw it differently so like when you play as the vampires you have to set up your corruption so you can take a place and hold it but when you're playing against the chaos it's like the same thing it's like they're starting their invasion so it basically, it's like the plague almost. It's like it's a hitting everywhere at the same time. Yeah, but it's, it's not it's foretelling the invasion. It's not like almost. hitting hard enough to make it matter because you know, really, at the end of the day, you know, corruption matters at high. But think about quantities, it: if you were playing, like if you were playing as the chaos faction and you had to go in and everybody had zero chaos. What? Like if you're playing, if you were playing as the chaos, the chaos, faction, the chaos invasion doesn't trigger that way when you play the chaos corrupt when you play the chaos campaign. Oh, everybody okay, so, okay, so i guess the it only it only, it only happens it only happens in the ai i actually think that in the chaos campaign is pretty good because in the chaos campaign when you raise a settlement it starts seeping corruption out like they leave behind those like like wheel things um mm. and and then corruption and i think that that's pretty cool now that i now remember that um but uh but yeah i, 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 I saw so the corruption, corruption slash order mechanics similar to like in medieval 2 when you have 
you know, Islam versus Christianity, that mechanic, it was really similar to me. So I, I didn't have as much of an issue yeah, with it, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's, that's definitely true. It does feel a lot like that. I mean, in, like, Rome, you had, like, the cultures or whatever, and mm-hmm. you had to, like, make things to convert people to your culture. And to be honest, I think that this is a better version of that because the, the that culture gameplay was not a lot of fun. That culture gameplay was, oh my goodness. <laughs> People really were just mad at you, like, 20... Because, like, at least in Warhammer, it doesn't happen over the span of, like, 100 years. Whereas in Rome, it was, like, each turn was, what, like, half a year or something? I can't remember exactly what the time scale was. But it'd be, like, 100 turns later, they're still pissed at you that you're a different culture, even though you've been in control of that damn city for 100 or, like, 50 years or whatever. It's like, what? Yeah. How do you guys feel about how they implemented the rollout of Warhammer 2 in that it's basically the same game with a new map into like okay in terms that. of like yeah I, I loved yeah, it. I you know like it. the graphics and everything's the same but like they just added a, a four races and a new map like the you guys are okay map, with the that? The new map was a lot of fun and I'm glad that they didn't they didn't just release it with Mortal Empires to be honest with you I think if they had just released it with Mortal Empires I probably would have skipped the, the Vortex map Great which would have been a shame because the Vortex map is fucking awesome um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of fun and, and it makes you play the game. I mean, this is why I was having trouble with it, right? Because like I play total war games in a certain way, right? Um, mm-hmm. and the, and it made me play total war games differently, which mm-hmm. is, which is very cool. It forced, uh, for it a, forced your cho- forced player choice, like throughout the campaign, even the fucking right mechanic they added in. Just yeah. Yeah. Cool. I love right. the rights. I think the rights were a lot of, were, were, were very fun and very interesting. So for I really you, hope for, that they for me, I'm kind of in, in the first one anyway, I was kind of a, more of an aggressive player where i would like to i'd like to take a certain number of provinces um and then develop them instead of holding on to like the starting ones and kind of like sitting on them until i got a full stack but it almost felt like in the first one you couldn't do anything until you got a 20 stack banner you know what i mean like oh, in, I, so in medieval in rome me. you could do like a 10 stack banner and you could start like sieging places and like trying to expand quickly but it almost felt or maybe it was only because of the race i was playing but like for like orc and vampire it just felt really hard to get anywhere without what what, what, what a big I mean? thing they changed in the recent warhammer uh, in, in starting mortal empires or in uh, two no, starting in warhammer one was they made it that any army had to be commanded by a general or a lord yeah yeah just splitting them up it, i actually kind of like that it made you build like it penalized your own you heavily though because every faction it's like the more generals you have the higher upkeep percentage wise or something right? yeah i think that i i do but i, I didn't like, like that, that mechanics because i do like that mechanic because i don't like spamming stacks of like garbage yeah. to it, mean, it means that your armies have to be like good and they have to be like strong uh essentially and eventually like you know like uh, uh, one of the things that I, that I like a lot about the Total War games is the ability to like customize your army for certain things. Like, so for right. instance, with the Wood Elves, I just started fighting against vampires, which means that I build a whole army that's like, okay, these guys are my vampire fuckers, right? And they just fuck on vampires, <laughs> and they're led by like a vampire lord. And you've yeah, yeah, well yeah. Too. You know, yeah. Th- and that's exactly. And, th- and so I really love that that you can you have that ability to kind of like customize armies, right? And you say, well, I'm going to bring you know the lore of beasts because right, it right. has you know this spell in it rather than the lore of life or the lore of sh- or you know like whatever it is i think all of that stuff um and th- in your ability to kind of like make your own like key to fit the the lock that is the enemy faction is really interesting and a lot of fun and that's I, a, a thing i, I love about the game like the biggest strength for me in like the departure from old total war to new total war meaning warhammer one warhammer two is Felt a lot more attachment to your armies and your lords. 
Like in old Total Wars, I didn't fucking care if I lost a lord. In, in Warhammer 2, yeah. like, I was devastated. Like, no. But that's because I the game punishes him. you a lot more. You Don't, know what I, I mean? Like that. Yeah, yeah. You do? I, yeah, I, I also mean, don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think you just didn't care about your commanders enough. Uh, which yeah. is. Actually, no, no, I mean, it's it's so, I, the commanders are a lot more impactful. No, you can actually attach items and followers. You could build. Yeah, but there's an yeah, actual talent exactly. tree with your generals compared to old Total War games. It was, it was that's, that's, also, RPG that's, that's also true in, in Shogun. You can attach. No, 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 you can't, like so, so, yeah, but the thing is so in Shogun, the level cap is 10, um, and you don't have stuff like items. Right. Um, um, and so the, the, the retainers is far back. You, you have reta- no, I'm saying ret- retainers and items are different, right? right um, right. so, and so I think that there's less options to kind of like customize your Lord, uh, oh, in that, well, in that true. same I, way. I, I don't think and that kept me from being attached to my awesome. old Lords. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I am way more attached to my Lords you, in Warhammer but, than but I ever was in Rome. I think is... the other thing is, is that Lords in Rome and in, uh, and in Shogun died a lot easier. Like, like there's something about the age mechanic in Total War Rome or Total War Shogun that always rubbed me the wrong way. Because like, even if you get a guy to level 10, at some point he's going to be 77 years old and you're going to end yeah, the turn yeah. and he's going to be 78 and die. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. But I like that. It's like you have to keep bringing in fresh blood. That's why when you, they had their kids, you had to like train their kids up too. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do like that mechanic to a certain extent, but it does distance me from the lords in the same way. Like, dude, okay, so I want, I want to explain this. I love Total War War stories, um, but uh, like, so I in my vampire, ca- or sorry, in my wood elves campaign, I I had declared war against the high elves because I want to take Lothurn uh, and I want to show Tyrion that he's a little piece of shit. Um, and so he sent a whole bunch of stacks over to kind of Bretonia. Me and Bretonia are our allies, right? And they're fucking on Bretonia. They're fucking on some of my settlements there. And I had two armies, one of which was Orion, my legendary lord. And the other one was Findol, who was like the second lord I ever recruited, right? And he was like my number two, my number two guy. And they were re- reinforcing one another because Orion was in the settlement. Findol was just outside the settlement. And the AI did something that was insane. And I've never seen this before. They took three stacks one of them sieged the settlement. The other one attacked Findle, which meant that Orion and Findle couldn't reinforce one another. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is it. This is this is when he dies. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And then I, but then I was like, no, I was like, no, Findle, save yourself. And so Findle repeat retreated, and it was a three. It was sixty units on on my one Orion stack, and I fought out the whole battle just so I could have Orion be like, no, fuck you, Tyrion. If I'm yeah, gonna yeah. die, you're coming with me. And I think that kind of I think that kind of gameplay. I think that kind of like st- like like sandbox, make your own story, uh, is probably one of the most interesting and most fun aspects uh, of Total War and uh, and like Total War Warhammer. I mean, I, that's like added that so much more in Warhammer. Like it made me feel like when I play XCOM. When yeah, I battle, yeah, yeah, You know definitely. what I mean? Like that feeling of when you lose a soldier that you've been invested in quite a long time. I had that same feeling in Warhammer, which was never a feeling I had in other Total War games. Yeah, well, I think that's because you're a loser and you don't have a soul. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I definitely didn't get that feeling in, to, in some Total War games. It was just, I was just, I don't know. I, there's something about it being a lot less. Uh, I think it's also because, like, in other Total War games, the factions are much more similar and, like, the, yeah. Um, yeah, the no, kind of... Fair. Uh, the like the ability for me to like specialize my arm, you know what I mean? I felt like in old in old Total War, uh, it was much more just like I spam the best unit in an army yeah, when I get like to I, the I got, late game. 
like bow um, level one versus bow level two. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Uh, whereas in Warhammer, right, like even though Eternal Guards with shields, right, or, or like Spearmen with shields might be like the most baseline, you know, unit or whatever, and like Wildwood Rangers are better sure. than them, they're actually pretty meaningfully different. And yeah. there's a lot of times when I fill out an army with Eternal Guard and shields because even though they are like a tier one early game unit, they're still useful in the late game at like fulfilling their specific purpose, which in this case is just like serving as an anchor um, for, you know, for the enemy front line to smack into me sort of thing and not and not have all of my dudes like instantly die. But um, I, I still felt that even in like Medieval 2 and in Rome, like even so like you would have like your your peasants or whatever and you wouldn't really use those except to garrison. But then you have your standard like uh, fuck, what were they called? The um, the standard Roman soldier unit, whatever uh, Hastati or whatever. I think that's yeah. what it was called. So you would use those until the spoiler alert, I guess, until it switched back to the legionnaire system. But even then, you would use normal legionnaires to fill out your army because it was like, unless you already controlled half the world and you didn't give a fuck about upkeep, there's no way to maintain your army otherwise. You had to fill it out with like those cheap units that sort of held the line for you while I mean, your there, other big units, units went down. In Warhammer 2, but I think the difference is the unit diversity is so much. Like just like the sheer fact you have flying units, yeah, and have to battle that, put that in the battle. Net or and or use you them. have monstrous infantry, right, right, right? Versus like you know, like you can't make a front line out of monstrous infantry because there just like aren't enough entities in right. a like in in a group to like halt a cha- cavalry charge or whatever. But they're also really like really powerful, and so like the the variety of having monsters, uh, monstrous infantry, um, and even also kind of just like different infantry types with different weapon damage or like magical damage or fire damage. Right, yeah. like I think all that stuff is and really uh, weird units too. Like, what's the one Skaven unit that has the their infantry, but they have warp fire lightning on them? They what's that flame, suicide? The, the flamethrower guys. Oh, oh yeah, warp fire throwers. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. That's a really cool dynamic too. So yeah, so I, and I think a lot of that kind of stuff. It also it's also one of those things where like the factions are just like radically different. Yeah. Um, you know, like the Skaven have the best artillery in the game, but they also have the worst infantry in the game, right? So like when you're building a Skaven army, you really have to kind of like build it from the ground up in a different way than you would build a dwarf army, which also has very strong uh, artillery, but has very powerful infantry at the same time, right? But the thing is, is like. The dwarves don't have access to cavalry, right? So right, they right. are a lot different than Bretonia, who have the best cavalry in the game. But the, you know that that the, I, th- I think those kinds of dynamics and and the way that the Warhammer setting has allowed them to divvy up uh, strengths and weaknesses more aggressively to factions. Um, and I the think that's really like cool the lizardmen and the high elves seem to be some of the most diverse. Uh, Warhammer one, Warhammer two, like lizardmen and the way they run their late game battles is so different. Yeah. Anything else like single units charging? I do love I I do love dino units. Having fucking dinosaurs is just like yeah, <laughs> so cheap. I uh, started playing I started playing a co op game with Rachel where she's playing the the lizardmen and I'm playing the beastmen. Um, yeah. And when you start as Krotgar, you get a feral Stegodon in your army. Oh, um, and I told her that she could like rename. <laughs> I told her that she could rename units, and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna name my Stegodon Leafy." And I was like, "Wait, why are you gonna name him Leafy?" And he's like, "Well, he's he's he likes leaves and also carnage, which is like the that is that is what that's what the dinosaur units are all about. They may be herbivores, <laughs> but they like to I, I just almost trample feel like men. the one exception to where you don't need to fill it out with like." infantry hold, holding the line might be lizard men like if you just ran nothing but dinosaurs in an army i feel like against certain 
certain factions that could probably be viable have you have you not seen the they have a right for that it's called the right of primeval glory and it's like twelve thousand gold or something but when you hit it you get a doom stack that's like all it's like one lord and then a bunch of like feral dinosaurs essentially. <laughs> oh God. and then you can just like run. i fought battles with that stack it is so fun it is a lot of fun. <laughs> like, the only thing I can think of is, like, maybe they won't be able to deal with anti-air, but, like, <laughs> or, like, won't be able to deal with, like, flying units, but they do have to come down eventually to fight you, so, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they also route pretty easily. Um, uh, they can, they can like, they're in danger of chain routing because their leadership is low. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, if you charge, if you charge a bunch of dinos into, like, a spear line and they take a lot of damage really quickly, you know, you might find yourself in a, in a situation where you're incredibly powerful dinosaurs are all running away scared because uh <laughs> yeah. you know because of that damage density they also nailed the skaven dynamic of when you're in the battle and they uh route and they come back at the tail end yeah like draw them all back it's just like fits the theme of these fucking rats crawling over the that and the fact like, that it's like you literally don't give a shit about your your front line you just kind of like throw your artillery at them because well, the so front cheap line has and so many. Like the, that's yeah. kind of one of my favorite things about the Skaven is that they have so many individual units. Um, like I love to fight Skaven because at the end of every yeah. battle, <laughs> yeah, all of your dudes have like yeah. five hundred kills. Yeah, it's great. Uh, but yeah, so I guess that's Destiny and uh, and uh, Total and War, War Warhammer Two. Two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you, I, I think that's about about it. Uh, if you would like to tell us what you think about Destiny 2 or Total War Warhammer 2, you can email us at podcast.subdurvesplaygames.com or uh, subdurvesplaygames at gmail.com. You can uh, follow us at twitch.tv slash subdurvesplaygames. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter. The links will be in the description. Uh, you can follow us on uh, – uh, we have a YouTube account. We've got a SoundCloud account. We've got an iTunes account. Leave us ratings. Send us emails. We love it. Um, uh uh, Monic and X, did you want to? Do you want to leave a way for people to contact you? Do you have pe things people you want people to check out? Wait, are you streaming this on Twitch? No, no. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let's. You have a Twitch account, okay? Uh, no, no I, I got nothing. My end, dude. Okay, uh, not even for the Unwise Index. Well, when we come back, you'll know. Oof. Check out their back catalog, boys. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, our Twitch is mostly for streaming our uh, tabletop games. Um, uh, but X, did you want to, did you want to I got promote? nothing. All I'm right. just chilling. Buddy, did you have anything else you wanted to promote? I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.